Good morning. If you would, just go ahead and keep your Bibles open to Romans chapter 14. We are going to be taking our time trying to work through this passage and uh, want to welcome everybody. Uh, we have been going through one another passages. There's, I forget how many that there are, but uh, um, a list of probably 15 or so. What to do to one another, love one another, be patient with one another, greet one another. All of these things are one another passages that God tells us to do within the body of Christ. And uh, we're, we're currently on a little section of what not to do to one another. And uh, so today we are on the, the uh, subject, do not judge one another. Don't judge one another. There's a story, some of you may have already heard this story, but uh, it's a story about a, back in the day when ice cream was cheaper, a 10-year-old boy went to the ice cream parlor, you know, and, and uh, he asked the, the lady how much for an ice cream sundae, and she said 50 cents. Right. And so he's he was trying to look through how much change he had. And she was sort of like, are you going to get this or not? You know, because she's she's in a hurry. She's trying to get things done. And this is just a little 10 year old boy that has a few cents. And so she kind of got irritated. And and uh, and he said, well, instead of a Sunday, how much just for plain ice cream? And she's like, thirty five cents. You know, so he's like counting again and she's getting kind of irritated because, you know, I got I got these other customers. I've got more important people to to look at here to work on. And so uh, he said, OK, I, I, I've got enough. And so uh, he said, I'll just take the plain ice cream. So she brings him the plain ice cream. And and uh, later on, she goes back to clean up after him and she gets kind of a lump in her throat and. Uh, did I turn that off? Mess up my story. <laughs> what happened to the story? Yes, she got a lump in her throat. Because she came back to, to, to clean up after the boy. And guess what was waiting there but 15 cents. So he had 50 cents. And he could have bought the whole ice cream sundae but that wouldn't have left any tip for her. So instead, what he did is he got the plain ice cream so he could leave her a little bit of a tip. And it made her kind of second guess how she judged this kid, right? That, that she was sort of viewing him as maybe less of an important, and yet at the same moment, he was thinking of her. Right. And, and so you get these examples of places where you don't you, you we, we didn't have a good understanding of what was going on with the other person. Today, we're going to try to work through this passage uh, of Romans chapter 14 of do not judge one another. And if you weren't here for Bible class, it's going to be a challenging. I can't cover all of these things in a matter of 20, 30 minutes. And you guys are like, yeah, right. 20 minutes. But. But uh, it is uh, to think about judging. There are parts of the Bible that we think about that um, Jesus will say that is, is that a contradiction? That there's places where he specifically says, like here in Romans 14, not to judge. R Matthew chapter 7, 
But there's other places that he says we are to judge. If you keep reading Matthew chapter 7, we do judge. John chapter 7 and verse 14, he says, judge righteously. So is, is this a contradiction or is it a matter of understanding? It's about context. What, what context was that used in? And so here in chapter 14, let's just, again, for those of you that might not be familiar, um, just like Ezekiel said, Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he was writing a letter that ultimately comes from God. But he's writing this letter to the church in Rome. And these brothers and sisters are made up of Jewish Christians who come from the Jewish background that converted to Christianity. And then you had Gentiles, non-Jews, who had converted to Christianity. And for those of you that know anything about Jews and Gentiles, they were, man, you talk about racism. They had, they had racism. I mean, they did not want to be with one another. They did not want to eat together. They didn't want to be around one another. And so it was, it was a challenge when you get such diverse groups and then they had to become one in Rome. There's some challenges there, and Paul is trying to unify them. And for those of you that enjoy Bible studies, I said this last week, but Paul, basically the first half of Romans, is kind of like doctrinal, uh, understanding a spiritual side of things. And then the second half of the book is a lot of practical. You know, he tells us of what to do, specifics, like, uh, you know, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't return evil for evil, but overcome evil with Good. So there's a lot of uh, practical, what, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? These are, and, and chapter 14 is, is just like that. So he's coming to this idea of um, giving us some background of how are we going to help these people. One area that they were struggling in is this, this place here. And Paul says, um, accept the one who is weak in faith but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Um, this is directed to both Jews and Gentiles. I couldn't, there's, there's no definite uh, way of showing that this is specifically to Jews or to Gentiles. Um, it, it can apply to both, both groups of people here. And so this is important. This verse right here sets up the rest of it. And so we're going to work through it nice and slow and try to understand these words, first of all. Number one, to accept. You know how um, at school you've got sort of your group that you like to hang out with, uh, your work, there's sort of your group that, that, that hangs out, or um, even in the congregation sometimes you have just, just certain people you really bond to. Then there's other people that, that we don't see eye to eye with and we can very easily not treat them in the same way, like we don't welcome them in. And, and I get that that happens in a lot of different scenarios, but in the church, what Paul is trying to say is that, yes, you all come from different backgrounds, some from richer families, some from poorer families, educated, not educated, race, cultures, whatever, there's different backgrounds. And he's saying that as brothers and sisters, we are to accept these people. And especially here, he's going to deal with those who are weak 
in the faith. And we'll explain what that is. But this acceptance is to actually take them in, incorporate them. And, and some people are like, but I don't have anything in common with them. You know, like, I, I just, I, you know, I like to talk about basketball. I like to watch sports. You know, they're completely just on the other end of things. Well, guess what our commonality is? Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is why we are all here today. I don't know how, how you guys would all be here right now if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be hanging out with some of you guys. You wouldn't be hanging out with me. You know, you're, you're like, I, I, just, I just wouldn't spend time. But because of Jesus, we are here. We're taking this time together and we have some common purpose. We have a unity. And that's ultimately that because of that unity, that God is the one who adds us to his church, his body. Now I'm supposed to actually accept you in. As humans, we're very easy to sort of, you know, they believe that, they believe this, and, and we kind of push them away. The next, ver the next word I wanted us to focus on is this weak. Sometimes when, when people read this, that they're weak in their faith, they think like, um, like that, that they're not very convicted. That's not what this means. They can be very convicted, but they just don't have enough knowledge yet. They just... You know, when you get a new Christian, um, man, they are on fire. They believe and trust in Jesus and, and that he can do anything in their life. So it's not talking that they don't have a, that they don't trust God enough. That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about that they're, that it's young. It's kind of a, it's still lacking. They're not fully knowledgeable yet. Um, it, it's an immature faith is really the way to explain that, that word weak. The word faith here, it's interesting. In, if you guys study out the Bible, the word faith can be used like trusting, believing. But the word faith can also, when it says the faith, like in Jude 3, um, it will talk about, I think it's Jude 3 or Jude 6, that it talks about um, that we are supposed to defend the faith. When it talks about the faith, it's, it's, it's like a, a set of teachings. So we are to defend the faith of Jesus Christ. All of the gospel, the teachings of Jesus, that's called the faith, right? It's not talking about my belief or my trust in God, but overall these teachings are known as the faith. Defend the faith, Jude verse 3. So here, and the, one of the ways you can determine that is if the Greek uses the word the, and here it does. It says you, those who are weak in the faith. So it's not weak in their faith. They're weak in the faith. So they don't have the full understanding of all the teachings you know, again, people come from all different backgrounds. Some people have never read a Bible in their lives and they become a Christian. Well, they're not going to have a full understanding of the church and terminology and what words are okay and what words are not okay. Or some people come from different denominations and they were taught something completely different and now they're a brand new Christian. Well, they're not fully studied yet on the faith. They're weak in the faith. That's what we're seeing here. 
So one of the places that Paul is working on, especially in chapter 14, is being saved by grace and not by works. This is a common um, belief system, whether you come from a denomination or even just from the world. Usually, most people believe in a type of karma that if you do good, good comes about. That's, that's how most people believe. Even a lot of Christians will believe, like, if I do enough good, God will save me. And that's not true. But, it, but unless I've been taught it, it's very easy to, to believe in those kinds of things. That I've got to, to, to really make sure I'm doing all of these things. And so Paul is Romans, really all of Romans, is, is emphasizing that we are saved by grace not by our works. We can never do enough to be saved. Well, chapter 14 is, is part of that. And he says that those who are weak in the faith, that, that we're not to be passing judgment. This judgment is, again, not just making a decision. We talked about this morning that making a judgment is making a decision. This is ultimately, when I'm judging them, I'm yes, making a decision that they are on their way to hell. Like they are in sin because of this belief or this practice. And so they are condemning them. They're seeing them as, man, they're not right. That's why I am not accepting them into my fellowship. You see, they're not in my fellowship because they, they, they hold on to some of these beliefs right now. So Paul is, is, is using this as his thesis statement, and then he'll explain it the rest of chapter 14. Now this right here is important, and, and, and I don't know if I'll have time to give you enough examples, but in the New American Standard, it uses the word opinions, but it has to deal with their own thoughts, convictions, I don't use the word scruples, but the word scruples basically is a belief based on principles. This is not clear necessarily in the scripture. God doesn't have a specific command one way or the other. And so you're, you're having to use principles. And so he's saying that we are not to judge the person who is making, who, is, who has these principles that they're living by, that I'm using that as doctrine, like that is absolute, okay? So that verse is very important um, on how he does this. Now, the danger in this is that people will use this verse here and they'll talk about a whole bunch of things and they'll be like, well, that's just my opinion and you're not supposed to judge me on that. No, that's not what this is talking about, okay? This is not just talking about what you decide. For those of you that, that have it, I didn't put it on the, the, the slide here, but uh, if you look up in um, chapter 13, verse 13. So this is just, what, two verses before? Look at 13, 13. Paul says, Let us behave properly, as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, 
but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh in regards to its lusts. That's pretty plain, right? So when somebody says, well, I don't really believe in marriage, you know, we just like to sleep around and, you know, we, we believe in just sort of we can have open relationships. That's my opinion. No, it's not. That, that, that doesn't, doesn't hold water here, right? God says that's wrong. Okay, to have any type of sex outside of marriage is wrong. And so there's some plain teachings here. And, and so in chapter 14, when Paul gets there, he's not talking about that you can be saved by works. That's, that's non-negotiable. You are saved by grace. It's non-negotiable. You can't say, well, it's my opinion. It's my scruples that I live by. No, there's certain things, and, and for those of you that were here, I know Kent and Don, they kind of came in at these, these, these um, studies that we were doing. What teachings are essential? You see, that's a question that we really have to go through. Like, do you really have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Is that an absolute requirement? Do you absolutely have to believe that He died for your sins in order to be saved? Is that absolute, right? Do you have to believe that, that in order for me to receive His blood, I need to repent and be baptized into Christ? Are those teachings that are absolute? You see, there are, there are certain teachings that God has made without question. You can't just say, well, I think of it this way and you think of it that way. Paul, what he's going to do is help us. What do you mean, Paul, by these things of opinion? these things that are kind of living by scruples. He's going to give two. The first one is food. And so as we look at the food aspect of this, you're going to see that um, um, he, in verses 2 through 4, again, Ezekiel read this, but, but let's, let's read it. Verse 2, he says, One person has faith or a belief that he can eat all things. But he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard or think or judge with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who does eat because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of the master? Of another to his own master he stands or falls and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand all right let's try to understand this that as we look here let's look at these food examples and this this is where it can be helpful to have a little bit of background um, let's imagine that you were a Jew before Christ okay you grew up as a Jew your culture was to um, not do any work on Saturdays. You had certain eating habits, uh, beliefs, like you're not allowed to eat pork. You're not allowed to eat uh, uh, dog. You're not allowed to eat, you know, like all these catfish. That, that, that one person's believed they could eat meat, while another person believes they cannot eat meat. 
Well, a Jew, this, this, could, this could be referring to him because they might say, hey, I'm, I'm not eating pork. It was unclean. It was a sin for them in their previous belief system. It was a sin if they ate pork. Okay, but now they're becoming a Christian. And so now that they're a Christian, they're, they may be like still holding on to this practice. Like, I'm, not, I'm still not going to eat meat. And this other person is like, don't you know that Jesus made all things clean? You know, what's your problem? You know, don't you, you're, you're trying to earn your way to heaven. Don't you, you can't do that. So that could be a struggle, right? Um, because maybe they don't fully understand that they're saved by grace, that just by not eating this pork is not going to condemn me to hell or make me better with God. It, it's... You can if you want. You don't have to if you don't want. It's, it, you're free. You, you, you can, but you don't have to. So the person who still holds back from eating the pork, they're looking at that Jewish Christian and they're like, I can't believe you're eating pork. You see, so they're looking at them and condemning them, thinking, man, they're in sin. You know, they're not doing right. And the person over here is saying, haven't you read what Jesus said, that all meats are clean? You know, you're basically trying to live by earning the law. So they were judging one another and they were not welcoming each other into the fellowship. You see, and so it was causing problems. So what about the Gentiles? This is also in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that um, imagine that, that you grew up and you sacrifice the meats to the, to the idols, they, to the temples. And, and, and so you would offer that, those goats and whatever. And, and so they would be sacrificed and then they would burn part of it or sacrifice part of it to the temple. And the rest of it, they put it out on the market. So a lot of the meat that was on the market had first been sacrificed to these temples into these idols and different things like that. And, and in Corinthians, man, the, this was causing some problems. And Paul is like, is that really a God that's a piece of metal? You know, so if I want to eat that meat, it's okay. But if that bothers you, because that's how you were raised, you grew up that this meat was sacred, it was holy, and I had sacrificed it to this idol and then I kind of shared in it by eating it from the marketplace. Imagine this Gentile now becoming a Christian. And they're, they're looking at that meat in the marketplace and they're like, I don't want anything to do with idols. I don't, I don't, I'm a Christian now. I don't have anything to do with idols. So what are they going to do with that meat? I'm going to stay away from meat. You see? So that's why it, this is an interesting um, example that Paul gives because it says this group of people ate vegetables only. Jews weren't vegetarians. They ate sheep, mutton, you know, they like mutton sandwiches and all of that. So they have mutton, they like fish, right? So they weren't vegetables only. But maybe if I was a Gentile, then I wouldn't be eating any meat whatsoever because I believe it has already gone to these idols. Do you guys see the dilemma? Do you see the struggle? And so 
a Gentile, a brand new Gentile Christian, they're saying, I'm not eating that stuff. That was to idols. Whereas this other Gentile Christian is saying, hey, we're free in Christ. We can eat that meat. It, it's, it's, that's not a real God, you know. God has made all things clean. And we can give God thanks for this food. So one side was possibly condemning the other side. And Paul is saying, no, this is a matter of scruples. This is a matter of opinion. And so you guys should be accepting them within each other. You need to accept, the, with each, accept within the fellowship, ultimately, is, is what he's saying. What's interesting is he's saying that when you eat, one eats to honor God and the other eats, why? To not honor God. So why am I not eating? To honor God. Why am I eating? To honor God, right? To give Him thanks for all things. So are both people honestly trying to serve God to the best of their abilities? And does God allow them to have their scruples in this situation? Yes, that's, that's the example. The second example that he gives is in verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6, Paul says, One person regards or thinks of one day above another, and another regards every day alike or the same. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day says he who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God and he who eats not, he does it for the Lord. He does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. So ultimately, one person chooses to look at a day as more important than the other. Another says all days are the same. So again, which group of people is this applying to? Uh, we, could, we could easily see that, um, that this could apply to the Jews, right? This could be one of those situations where it could easily apply to the Jews. What is one day that they for sure set above all else. The Sabbath, right? The Sabbath was one. The Passover was another one. I mean, there were days, and, and so you can study out all of the, the, Jewish, the, the Jewish holidays and, and all of those things that they had, special days that they came together to honor God. And uh, so again, I, I want you to try to em, em, envision yourself as a Jew that grew up keeping the Sabbath. Like you thought of this day as a holy day. It was a day of rest. It was a day to honor God. And as a new Christian, guess what I, guess what I would still like to do? Because I've done this my whole life. I did this with my grandma, my grandpa. And I, I still would like to keep the Sabbath holy. And... Paul says you are as long as you're not trying to keep it as a way of earning your salvation. So if I choose to keep it, he's like, 
you're okay to do that if you're honoring God because of that. Whereas the other Jew, the Jewish Christian that's brand new is like, hey, we've got freedom now. We're not under the law. We don't have to keep all of these days. There's all this freedom. Don't you understand this? Don't you get it? So they were kind of condemning each other, and it was causing problems, right? Now, the Bible doesn't give us an example, and I tried to do some research on what were the Roman uh, holidays, and man, there were hundreds. <laughs> they, they had hundreds of holidays that, that they observed. But I just want you to imagine trying to think of maybe a specific holiday that you always practiced it as a family, you know, something that you honored your God that you grew up with. And then if you became a Christian, if you wanted to say, hey, now I understand that's the one true God. Would I want to continue in this practice as our family tradition. This other Gentile is like, don't you know that has pagan backgrounds? Don't you know we, we came out of that? You see, we came out of that. We, we are not to be a part of that. So what we see here is a challenge from both sides. So I want us to think about some, some key points here um, that hopefully can kind of get us thinking. So Reminder, he says that we're not supposed to judge on matters of scruples, opinions, these personal convictions. Okay, we're not, again, not talking about doctrines. We have to be very careful. Paul has given us two specific examples. Foods that you eat and days that are observed or not observed. He's not giving all this, a whole bunch of other things. So we have to be careful of what we're classifying as opinions because he gives us two specific examples we are to judge righteously that we we've already studied that out that, that yes are we to judge yes on on what the bible plainly says here so in verse 3 and 4 it says that if god has accepted this person in the fellowship then you are to accept them into the fellowship you're not to have this kind of strained relationship like you you know I, I'm I think you're on your way to hell because of what you believe or what you're practicing with that see that's that's ultimately what he's looking at each Christian must be fully convinced in their own mind and when you get to the end of chapter 14 it says if you do it and you're kind of like um, doubting it violates your conscience you sinned like even though God says, all meats are clean. If I am a new Christian, Jewish Christian, I came from, I, I was raised that pork is unclean. And I'm a brand new Christian and I read it. And if I eat that pork, it kind of bothers my conscience. Then what does Paul say? Don't do it. Don't do it. So, but as Christians, he, he said it multiple times, not these things in and of themselves, they're all clean. They're all okay. We have lots of Christian freedoms. But the point is not to hold our freedoms on somebody else, not to bind my beliefs on you and you to bind yours on mine in matters of opinion. That's 
that's where we're at. Okay, but all these other areas, we we can we can see that. Now, um, it says again, they're both trying to honor God in this in this decision. Let me give you a couple of examples, hopefully that might help. Um, being on the reservation, this is a, a, a real challenge because you are raised with certain traditions, certain beliefs. And so it's these traditions, like people are like, I'm traditional, right? So like, am I allowed to be a part of this? Am I not allowed to be a part of this? Well, one of the, the traditions is when a baby has their first laugh. When they have their first laugh, you, whoever made them laugh, throws a party for them. And so they get to cook and they get to have a big party and, and they, they have different things. You hand out candy, hand out salt, you know, you give gifts. There's a big celebration. It's, it's awesome. But, but sometimes you would use a medicine man and there's a belief sometimes that if I don't do this, it could cause a curse. But if I do do this, it's going to bring a blessing. Well, am I allowed to do that now as if I'm a Navajo that has, is a brand new Christian, am I allowed to do this now? And you're like, mm, am I allowed to? Am I not allowed to? And so are you believing that all blessings come from God? Now I say I'm handing out salt out of tradition, but not like or candy or, and, and, and I'm going to have a prayer and thank God that this baby is healthy and, and, and so I can adapt and take this ceremony that was once a, a, a traditional, not from a Christian background, and now I'm going to use it as our family tradition and honor God with this, you see? So that's, that's an example that, that people that from the reservation, that, that a lot of times there's a lot of, a lot of ceremonies and different things that people are like, well, can I, can I not? There's too many to go over right now, but that gives you just a, an idea of what this could be talking about, right? Another one could be like uh, Christmas is one that, that some people will use, that some people want to honor this day above another day. Is If I was raised maybe from a Catholic background, that, man, this is a huge, awesome time for me to get together as family. We think of Jesus. We think of uh, God giving us these gifts. We want to share gifts. We want to bless each other with this. We want to enjoy our time together. And now if I'm a Christian, I'm like, you know what? The Bible doesn't say to make Christmas more holy than any other day, right? They're all, they're all the same, right? That, that we don't have a specific day that says you're supposed to make uh, his birth or his resurrection any more special because we come together every first day of the week, right? But if an individual wants to honor one day above another, then Paul says, that's your prerogative. You can do that. You can choose to put one day above another. Whereas other people can say, no, you can't do that. If you do that, you're sinning. You see? And so that's the challenge that ultimately you see one person putting it above another. So as an individual, you're allowed to have these matters of scruples or opinions in these two areas. But you don't bind it on everybody. You see, and so that's one of the things that if somebody wants to individually do some of these things, they can. And somebody might disagree. But that was the difficulty of 
Romans. That's the, this church was struggling with this. And because of that, they were not bringing into each other a close fellowship. So as we think about it, again, the difficulty is that both sides believe they're right. And both sides are trying to honor God in their actions. One side doesn't want to allow anything to go because the challenge, and those of you that are parents, you're like, if you don't have some sort of boundary, then you're just going to keep going and do whatever. That's the challenge that one side is, is looking at. And they're like, you guys say you, you claim all these freedoms in Jesus, but there's got to be some boundaries in there. And then those over here that are experiencing the freedoms, they're looking at others and they're like, but you guys are trying to keep these laws and bind them on others and, and believe that this is making you more holy or closer to God or have a better relationship with God. So there, there's, there's challenges. And so th this is nothing new, right? Throughout time, people trying to work through their faith is a challenge because you got people coming from all different backgrounds in different situations. So what we're doing is Paul, it shows, again, you guys can continue to read through that, but we're making, we're not to judge one another, to condemn one another in these areas. Show some grace, get some time to study with one another, try to help them mature in their faith, to grow in their faith, to to continue to study and help them understand this a little bit better. And then as they mature and they grow, now they have more perspective on some of these areas. And so that, that is ultimately what we see going on. And that, that when you go down to chapter 15, chapter 15 and verse 5, he, he, he kind of summarizes all of this. And he says here, that uh, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, Therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. <clears throat> So you can see the context from the beginning all the way to the end, uh, how this all works together. And uh, back to chapter 14 and verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I hope that this lesson has given us some things to think about, to chew on, that, that might bless your lives, and we can uh, continue to study these out and uh, work on them. But uh, for those who are not in Christ, then we're not in that fellowship. But in order to become a part of that fellowship, like you said earlier, are you willing to repent and be baptized, to, to die to that old way of life and to be resurrected, to say, I want that freedom, I want that grace that I'm not saved by my goodness, but by what Jesus did. But for others of us, maybe we're struggling. Maybe we really need the prayers of the congregation, something you may need to repent of. We're going to have a song right now, and if you want to come forward, you can, as together we stand and sing.